0: then when do i get to do the intro oh you want to do the intro this time
1: no we already did it come to, dude okay, come on. okay okay we'll go back to it <laughs> i don't even know what the actual intro is i'm sorry <laughs> it's all good hold on Hello, Rip City, and to all you here in town and every corner of the interwebs, every corner of the country, every corner of the world, and even to you in Mars, you do have access now thanks to Jeff Bezos or something like that. Thank you for tuning in here from Portland, Chris Burkhart, new host of the Trailcasters podcast, joined by my good friend, the first guest on my episode of Trailcasters, Keith Tentake, Feltner-Smith. Keith, how the heck are you?
0: Oh, I'm so good, man. That was beautiful. That man, I, I think we just got to keep it this way from now on. You man, I I was I was hesitating last week to give you the host spot. I think you've shown that you that you have earned it. You've got to lead here.
1: Don't so, uh, don't be handing things out. That you don't want back, okay? <laughs> all right,
0: all right. That was a beautiful intro, but I have the topic notes, so I'm going to lead the way. First thing we're going to get into We've reached a bit of a milestone here at Trailcaster today. This is our 150th episode. Okay, I get it. That's not anything huge, too grand, nothing too significant, but it's big for me. I'm pretty happy about this. Uh, We are just under a month away from the four-year anniversary of starting this pod. Shout-out to Brandon Goldner from back in the day. Shout-out to Ty Delbridge, helping me hold it down for a while. Shout out to Abdulaziz Mohammed, obviously now Chris Burkhardt here with us, and all the guests that we've had along the way. Thank you all; it's been an awesome four years. And of course, I would be very remiss if I also didn't thank you, the listeners. What kind of podcast would we have if we didn't have listeners listening? Thank you so much. But I also want it to be more than that. I really, I know that everyone always asks for listener input. We used to take your questions back in the day when we had kind of a different format than we do now. But I want to know what you guys want to hear on the Trailcasters. What kind of pod you want this to be. So before the next season of Blazers Basketball picks up, please write us on Twitter at Trailcasters. Or write me at Rip City Keith, Or send uh, Chris Burkhardt some messages at Chris J Burkhart. Tell him all of the horrible things that are wrong with the pod. He will hear all of that. You can also email us at trailcasters at gmail.com. But what I'm trying to get at here is I want to know your suggestions to improve the show. Do you want more guests do you want more listener questions do you want more of our group chats do i play too much music and you want less of that you tell me you listeners let us know what the Trailcasters needs to be what kind of pod you want to listen to and chris and i will do our best jobs to try and make it exactly that for the next season okay so with that little psa out of the way please write us at trailcasters or at trailcasters at gmail.com On to today's show and the first topic today is Olympic basketball is finally over. Congrats to both the men's and women's team on their gold medals. Uh, I think that's the seventh consecutive gold for the U.S. women's. Uh, So truly like one of the most winning teams possible. Uh, If you're not watching their basketball, you should be. But the men's team comes with some news that affects the Blazers a little bit. Dame reportedly playing through injury, Chris. Uh, Shams reports that Damian Lillard played through an abdomen injury during, during Team USA's Tokyo Olympics, which will require further testing upon return to the States. Lillard wanted to continue playing to help the U.S. capture the gold medal. And, you know, to be fair, he did. He scored, I think, 11 points in the second half of the gold medal game. So he contributed. He helped. He has his gold and he has an abdominal injury. Does this worry you as a Blazers fan? Does this affect our upcoming season at all?
1: I don't know. I find it interesting. It's like Dame playing with an injury is like not shocking anymore. (laughs) It's always something: plantar fasciitis, it's the abdomen injury, it's a back injury, it's it's something. The dude plays through injury. I think that's a lot of what a lot of Blazer fans. I think any fan of any any player who goes to the Olympics is is that fear. That's you. You took what was your off and and went right back into the training mode. You didn't you didn't skip at all. There's no time to rest. You know a little bit of rest time now, but I mean it's middle of August already. So training camp's right around the corner here. It's it's right back into the grind. So uh, hopefully he heals up and gets going. But I mean I'm not too shocked about Dame playing through an injury. It's just kind of come to to be what we expect from dame nowadays which means i mean i wanted to heal up because if he's scary hurt imagine how
0: good he is healthy and it's it's not uncommon either like per, like name an nba star who isn't often playing through injury at some point of yeah. the season i think the real issue is just this is the start of the season it's close enough we're in the offseason right now but it's close enough to start that you know i don't know how many seasons i could look back on where dame is starting the season unhealthy instead of you know halfway yeah. through having it kind of be a wear and tear issue like you mentioned the um uh i'm already forgetting that foot one the plantar fascia that he's had yeah. issues with in multiple seasons but yeah i'm I'm with you i don't think it will necessarily be a, a huge problem he's got time to rest and it's not like he's going to be going 100 percent from the start of the season anyway we got a lot of new roster pieces to work out so hopefully they can kind of you know be doing other things to to let dame kind of get the most uh the most time he needs or to get all the time he needs the most time off as possible not too worried sounds like unanimous Nah, uh, not too there. worried not too worried. all right all. well so the Olympics have ended, and, but we are also we have a we have a return uh, a, a, a renewal to talk about. I'm not really exactly sure what the term would be, but Aldridge, Lamarcus, the famous Blazers legend, wants to come back to the NBA. Uh, per- that was my old train. <laughs> the, oh, oh, nice one. I like the uh, the acapella sound effects. Uh, Woj though says Aldridge has had a medical consultation about his irregular heartbeat, and he's prepping to make a return to the NBA, just to catch everyone up. Uh, the irregular heartbeat Alders has is from Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome. It's a rare condition that impacts the electric conduction in his heart. So just kind of gives him a weird uh, weird rhythm and something they've worried about, especially, I think, with his size, just something that could impact his long-term health. He retired mid-season when he was playing with the Brooklyn Nets. Now he wants back in. He did play 15 years in the NBA. Seven of those uh, were All-Star years. And he's still, I think, one of the Blazers' top probably three Uh, in a lot of the, you know, counting stats, a lot of the most important categories. Woj did also tell us Aldridge is going to need medical clearance from each team to sign a contract and play. He's expected to have conversations with individual teams in the coming week, uh, in the coming weeks. Sounds like there hasn't been an actual, like, final decision on whether or not he's making this return. But Chris, if Aldridge were to return, considering the Blazers' uh, gaps in their front court currently, would you think that Portland should be interested in, uh, in bringing this guy back? play next to Dame.
1: I don't know, man. I think the ship has sailed. I think the perfect time to bring him in would have been Pre-signing of Cody Zeller because you could have had him in as your backup, <laughs> your backup center, because that's that's what he plays now. He's just not a power forward anymore. I mean, I know I floated the idea out there last year, sign him and try to play him at the four a little bit, and, and maybe you can, but it's just not where he's he's most comfortable at anymore. Though I do think what would be intriguing about Aldridge, especially if you did try to play him and Nurk at the same time, is that Dame has said many times that uh, no one has has ran the pick and roll with him like Lamarcus Aldridge did. And the Marcus Aldridge would obviously be a good addition, I think to any team. Uh, so I think, I think you, you kick the tires on it and you see what's out there. Um, I also, if you get into this, the, the situation where you need to fill a roster spot or something, I don't think um, it's bad at all to try to bring him in, especially if you, he's going to get a limited minutes or maybe he's your third center. I mean, I think if you had to weigh the two, I know there's potential in the guy that people like to talk about, but like, I think just for the, 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 the locker room that that savvy like i i would rather add a Lamarcus aldridge as my you know third center or backup big rather than bring back harry giles i mean i i think that that locker room presence would would add a lot and and personally i think it'd be a, a cool end to the uh, another chapter in portland and and you know put away any beef that he and dame had i think it's great but I, I think if he does come back, there's going to be a lot of teams interested. I mean, he's he, yeah. he's, he's still LaMarcus Aldridge. He's not putting up 20 and 10 anymore. But again, that vet savvy, it, it, it means a lot to a lot of teams. Look at what the Lakers did, man. The Lakers did nothing but go and get vets because they know the importance of, of guys who have played in those big moments and, and aren't scared of the light, you know? So uh, yeah, I think it's something you look into. I, I, I do think it made more sense. Uh, if you would have brought him in to be your primary backup center, but that's going to be Cody Zeller's spot now, so uh, or Ty, whatever Zeller brother they actually yeah, signed. Yeah, it's Cody it's Zeller. Like, <laughs> it's like it's like it's like having a Plumlee. In, <laughs> in, insert first name Plumlee, whatever. Uh, but it's yeah, like I, I think you look into it because I think there's some cool story arcs there. But at the same time, like I I I I don't want Lamarcus Aldridge to come back to the NBA if there's any risk of anything to happen. Cause I don't, I, yeah. I want to make sure he's okay. But at the other, to- other side of that coin is, I mean, if you're, if you're in the NBA, what's, you know, the best doctors teams have the off- offer. You're under great supervision. I mean, it might be a good place to be for your health anyway. So, uh, yeah, if he comes back, I, I think it'd be smart for, for Portland to kick the tires. Uh, but you'd have to know that you're not signing, him to be your starting for or your back, right. like you're starting it. He's probably going to be your third center. And at this point in his career, maybe that's a good spot for
0: him. I kind of see it as similar to what we do with Melo, where you're bringing back this guy who, I mean, you know, like with Melo, a lot of the, t- a lot of teams had lost faith. His career might've been on the, uh, on the final legs. And then he comes back here and has kind of revitalized things. I'm not saying Lamarcus would revitalize his career and have many more years to play in the NBA, but if he's got stuff left in the tank, his, his numbers are, like you said, not going to be 20 and 10, but he can get boards. He can put up points from the mid-range. Uh, he's going to probably have fair defense, too. At the very least, maybe he could help Nurk work on some of those things down low. Your point about Cody Zeller, I agree that you probably should have gotten LaMarcus in here first to kind of give him that slightly larger uh, role in the in kind of rotation up the ladder. But I don't know if it would be impossible to play... Lamarcus at the five, and maybe Zeller fills in more of the four. Again, we don't have a lot of front-court depth right now, so it's not going to be a bad ad. And also, like you pointed out, I think I'd rather have Lamarcus getting up some of those backup center minutes than relying on Zeller and Harry Giles. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that one goes. Something else I've been kind of curious about. We did... I mean, you know, it's it's been a solid two weeks since we podcasted, Chris. I've had to, had to take some more time off. And, you know, it's, it's the summer. That's how it goes. But we also missed, beyond this... Uh, uh, beyond all, all the all these kind of uh, the the Olympics and the Aldridge news we missed the NBA draft Portland didn't have any draft picks was my understanding but somehow we still drafted Greg Brown can you explain that to me at all what did
1: I miss there it's exactly what we talked about you're <laughs> gonna buy a second round pick that's what happened <laughs> yep guys got, yeah, got, got a second round pick just like we all expected them to do it to get get a, a low risk player in there and I mean, that was the big draft night move. That that that's something. That's something. Hey, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's, it's a very a very big draft night move for sure, compared to what we were all expecting. With you know all the all the trade talk that was going on, the CJ rumors that kind of kicked up a little bit. Uh, and you know, Greg Brown is not looking bad in summer league. He had some awesome dunks, uh, some fair defense in the first summer league game. They've got another Lock one tonight, nice. so we'll see how that goes. Uh lock him up so yeah do you see Greg Brown playing a role for the Blazers do you see their big draft night move paying off for them uh, in this regular season nope nope
1: nope <laughs> that's it he's good he's, yep. he's Torian Green you know Everyone comes out of Florida <laughs> Portland drafts him you see him in the preseason never see him again Here's the thing. He can look good in summer league. Good for good for him. That's great. I mean, it is impressive to be good in summer league because there's teams watching. And you gotta remember, it's not just the NBA teams or the teams that have your rights. I mean, you can you can latch onto a, an international team out of a good performance in summer league. But here's the thing: when you look at, at Brown and go, "Oh man, he's he's looking great in summer league." You know who else looks really really good in summer league? Caleb Swanigan. Caleb Swanigan <laughs> looks phenomenal in summer league. Caleb Swanigan. Was awful. Was be a beast. He was <laughs> awful in the NBA, and the thing yeah. was, the summer league is a, is a league that's completely built on hustle. If you're a hustler and you're moving up and down the court, you're gonna get your rebounds, you're gonna get your blocks, you're gonna get your points. You're 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 gonna look impressive if you're a hustler and you just got a pure motor. That's what Caleb Swanigan had. But when you get into the, the NBA, I mean. He was bottom of the barrel. He wasn't quick enough to keep up with any of the bigs. The shot wasn't there. He just looked out of place. And you gotta remember, like, even a guy like a guy like like a Greg Brown who who might be looking good, he's a lot of those guys on those those summer league rosters. Keith are never going to sniff an actual NBA floor. Right? They're they're not not gonna NBA competition. Yeah, they're not gonna uh, uh, sniff a roster. They might get on that two way. Uh, and the thing, and that, that is not to say that they're bad basketball players. I mean, you're, you're one of the top 1% if you're even making it to the summer league, but then you have to be the top 1% of that 1% to get to the next level. So there is a huge, huge, huge gap, uh, between what you're going to see at summer league versus what you're going to see at the preseason versus what you're going to see in, in the regular season. So yeah, like I said, Caleb Swanigan looked great. And at the exact same time, you know, who looked bad when Caleb Swanigan was looking good. NBA champ Pat Connaughton. Like, Pat Connaughton (laughs) had an awful start to that Summer League run, and so did Jake Lehman. But now Pat Connaughton has a ring. So you you cannot weigh too much about about, uh, Summer League. I mean, heck, we all thought Jared Bayless was going to be the next big thing, right? Because he tore up Summer League. So summer league performances have to be taken w- with a grain of salt, right? You have to understand what you're actually seeing. And so you got to look at like little things that can equate to the NBA level. And that's why like, I loved watching Zach when he wasn't beat up. Cause he was either playing with a bad ankle or a broken nose at the time. Right. But like Zach, <laughs> Zach Collins, in summer league where he was impressive and thing that can translate from there to the NBA was how, how quickly he was able to close space, how quickly he can move from the paint to defend the three point line, little thing, little things like that. The guys who are out there, the, the Blake and getting 20 points in a quarter. Like that's, that's cool, but it's, it's summer league, man. So yeah, yeah, you got, you got to, you got to understand. You got to understand.
0: We'll touch on Summer League more in just a second, as well as some of the other additions the Blazers have gone through. But before we get to those additions, let's talk about the subtractions. You mentioned Zach Collins; he has gone to the Spurs. I think I it was a three-year, twenty-two million deal or something like that. So not that expensive. Uh, Blazers probably could have looked at matching or at least trying try to get in that range if they had wanted him back. Obviously, that wasn't really the case. I think it was just kind of a matter of you know saying hey, it was time for him to move on. Collins is gone. Uh, Ennis Cantor goes back to Boston. And Carmelo heading down to the Lakers. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned this on what we record or if this is just pre-show, but the Lakers have been doing a real job down there as far as signing all the vets, getting everyone in there, uh, all the old players they could. I think I saw something this possibly could be the oldest uh, average age uh, that the NBA has ever had on a roster. And, you know... Fair enough. They, like you mentioned, the, the veteran players are going to help in the postseason. They're going to help with some of that savvy and experience and just kind of having been there before. But you also got to get to the postseason. It's going to be a regular 82-game season next year, longer than this one. And I'm not sure how much faith people should have in the Lakers. Do you disagree?
1: Uh, I don't, I don't disagree. I th- They're the Lakers, man. Until the day he retires, I'm not going to go against what LeBron James can do. Uh, they still have Anthony Davis who when healthy is one of the best bigs in the game. Uh, they get Dwight Howard back who has kind of resurrected his career by finding his true role, not trying to be the Superman of old, still a very capable center. Uh, I think can probably be better for them than Andre Drummond was. Um, and then obviously the, the Russell Westbrook trade. I mean, that's, that gives them honestly, like, yeah, we're going to talk about them being old and what have you, but that gives them, uh the most athletic point guard in the game. Yeah. They they have the most like five tool I can play one through five guard best player we've ever seen in the conversation with the GOAT with Michael Jordan in LeBron James, right? Anthony Davis, who's again when healthy, probably the best big man in the game. So there's gonna be problems for teams going out there and facing these guys you got to kind of pick your poison i mean yeah like russell westbrook isn't the best three-point shooter in the game in a game that's predicated by the three anymore but i mean he he's gonna get to go in and and get those assists like the, the thing that's interesting to me is is lebron james is still an assassin but for years, he's he sat back and ran that ball control a little bit more. Been a, a, a a tries to go past first more often than not, right? But now you just you just get to give the ball to Russ. Let Russ be that guy. So now LeBron is going to get some more catch and shoot shoot situations, maybe situations to post up a little more. Let the ball move around. Like I I like. I like what they're doing. And as a 34-year-old myself, I'm gonna root for the old guys. Stop stop <laughs> calling the 34-year-olds and 35-year-olds of the game old. Stick it to them. Stick it to them, man. So I might I might be rooting for the the, the, the olds here. Not rooting for the Lakers. I'm rooting for there the There you go. Okay, rooting good. I, the I the like olds. it. I like it. That was and great Car- clarification. And then, yeah, and then and then Carmelo <laughs> Anthony, I mean, situationally, say that You're bringing him off the bench and you're pairing him next to a Dwight Howard. Well, now you're much improved playing Anthony alongside Howard than you are Anthony alongside Cantor, because now you have a defensive big, a guy who's going to go get your rebounds, but he's he's going to clog up the paint and get those blocks. So it matches up better with them. Uh, if you get him on the floor in situations with LeBron and, uh, and, or with Russell Westbrook and obviously Anthony, you guys, those, those are elite defensive players. Like Russell Westbrook is just elite all around. I, I don't know why, we we crap on this guy like why the national <laughs> narrative is like how bad of a guy like he he's he's unguardable he's one Westbrook? of the most ath- yes he's one of the most athletic point guards we've ever seen he yes he he bricks from 3 whoopty doo oh the, the triple double but he, he gets them the, the empty stats whatever the dude's phenomenal the dude's phenomenal he's And so talented. i think He's
0: talented. He, he, he's talented. And a lot of the, the, like you're pointing out, the Lakers have a lot of talent on the roster. But I think my point is still just that, look, I mean, of that star talent you mentioned, Anthony Davis is the youngest one there. He even plays old. And the defense. They have defensive. Ability for sure, but again, defense is a physical game. It's uh, an endurance game. I'm just not sure how it's going to hold up over 82 regular season games. They don't they need the postseason. 82,
1: I, 82 games ain't going to matter. It's about getting into the playoffs, and you got you got the the king of knowing how to balance that and getting in. And LeBron James, when it comes to resting and this and that. Right. Well, uh, well, I'm you know, not. I'm last not. Year too. I'm not sleeping. I'm not sleeping on the Lakers. Now I'm gonna double down though on I don't I don't think they're the team that comes out. I, I said this in a podcast with my friends uh, last week, the Just Two Fans podcast with uh, Jamie Friedlander and Eli Johnson. Hey, Go hey. check it out; they do a good job. Nice. Shout uh, out! Hey. Yeah, but uh, they asked me who I thought that was going to come out of the West, and honestly, I, I, with the offseason that they've had and the core they have, I really I really like the Utah Jazz. I really Ooh, like the Utah Jazz. Okay. Uh, uh, dude, Conley's great. Donovan Mitchell, uh, this is this. Uh, he's gonna take a jump. Like he's gonna be. He's gonna be. He's a few years removed from like MVP conversation. Donovan Mitchell. Gobert is still the best defensive big in the game, probably. And and then you go out and you get like guys like Rudy Gay. Like that's you, Hassan Whiteside as your backup big, which again, defensive minded. Yes, he's not the best defensively when it comes to. <laughs> staying in front of his guy and closing out and 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 those things but he does get blocked shots and does make it tough around the rim for guys so i really really like what utah's done and i know everyone likes to say oh they're a regular season team they choked in the playoffs they haven't got to the promised land i think this is a year that they make it out of the west i really do i love what they did this year
0: I have a lot more faith in Utah, in the Utah Jazz, than I do in the Lakers. At least as far as just needing to continue hitting on the Lakers. And I, and I hear you about rooting for the old, just not for the hey,
1: LAL side of things. get, the, but, get but, the Laker hate out of it, man. Be be object. <laughs> be objective. Look at it for what not. it is. It's it's a it's a it's a talented team. It's a very talented team. They're gonna they're, they're gonna cause noise. People are gonna sleep on them. But here's the thing. Like like, are we gonna continue to just pretend? like the golden state warriors don't exist because if clay thompson comes back yes. even as a, a <laughs> shell of his former self dude he, he probably could have played all last year on one leg just hobbled up and down the court stood in the corner and shot open threes but that i mean if they're healthy they're still the warriors and i would love one last run of, of draymond steph and clay just to be like we never left we never left. We we had a couple hurdles, but we never left. I, I think that would be that would be cool to see too.
0: I mean, there's still Steph and Clay, or they could be if Clay comes back healthy. I'm not sure if Draymond is exactly the same player he was when before KD got there. It's, it's kind of gone a little. He's a little further down his line. No, but... no, he's
1: not. No, he's not.
0: Get off that. <laughs> Get off that junk.
1: What, what did, right, well, okay. Well, how 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 much of the Olympic basketball did you watch? Keith?
0: I did not watch a lot. I was not. uh The, okay. the Olympics have been a controversial thing to, to, to watch fair, and support fair. in general. I've been watching the highlights though. Fair, but here's the, th- the here's after. the
1: thing. Draymond Green went out there and put up donuts <laughs> in the score scoreboard. Didn't score a bucket. Changed the game anytime he was on the court. Yeah. I can't. You know, I can't. You're, you're I can't, I, can't, about that. I cannot remember what reporter said it, but this is this is the best summation of Draymond Green, and that is is Draymond Green the elite player that can take a team on his back and get it to the promised land no but when draymond green has elite talent around him he is unfricking believable he's still one of the best defend- uh, defenders in the game the way he gets his, gets defensive rebounds pushes tempo and acts as an assist man has i mean for as much as steph curry changed the game with with his, with his three-point shooting, I think so did Draymond with the way he pushes pushes tempo. Now, if Clay comes back and it's the Clay that we, that we want to see, the Clay of old, with Steph Curry who's still an MVP-caliber player, like that's they're going to be able to run this and have some fun while doing it. They're they they're not the favorite, but they definitely shouldn't be slept on. I mean, they got better. See. They got better. They got better odds than Portland does at this point.
0: <laughs> uh look, I mean we got some other another uh, uh uh Draymond headline here, so let's just sneak this in here while he's while he's a topic. Brian Windhorse on the jump the other day, all the you know, all the talking heads to continue to mention Dame and where he'll be traded to and all the rest of it. Brian windhorse though, he brings up uh that Draymond and damian Lillard were having uh, some kind of budding relationships. They were kind of buddies at a lot of the Olympic stuff. They were loving to hang out with each other and what Wendy was kind of promoting was that this wasn't about Draymond trying to pull Dame away. This is about Dame trying to get Draymond Green to Portland. Uh, I have hated on Draymond a bunch in the past as well, very much because he was the warrior and not quite as much as I hate on the Lakers, but like you're saying, I gotta admit, he's got very high basketball IQ. He still plays very very smart game, and I think that's a lot of what helps with both the playmaking when he has good players around him as well as the defense that you were talking about. What do you think? I mean, that could be another big man up here. if, if, Let's say Clay comes back, and it's not quite the Warriors of old. Do you see Draymond being a, a piece that could get moved?
1: Uh, maybe, because I, I, I think if you're Golden State and you think the window has officially closed, then yeah, because there's still a lot of value <laughs> in, in all three of those guys, and I think uh, Dre can get something back. And he would also be just a perfect pairing in Portland. I think you put him next to an elite guard uh, like Damian Lillard. Um, and it, if CJ McCollum were still to be here and weren't part of any deal that got Draymond here in the first place, I mean, when you see, when you've seen what happens when you put Dre next to an elite guards. So I think it'd be a heck of a fit in Portland and Portland be stupid not to make the call. But I mean, apparently, uh, the, <laughs> if, if reports are to be believed, sometimes calls that should be no brainers are calls that Portland hangs up on. So,
0: yeah, there's uh, there's some some questionable decision-making going on in the Portland front office. I think that's uh, that's definitely given at this point. Let's... Uh, hey, actually, real quick, before we move on, we got on this tangent with Lakers and the rest uh, when we're talking about Mello. Uh, in Mello's goodbye, he said, Thank you, Portland, for that led me. Love the game of basketball again. Thank you for welcoming me into the community. Has some really nice things to say. Ended with saying these two years were some of the most important ones in my career, and for that, I'll always be grateful. And then, who gets in the response, in the replies, but Damien Lillard, and... Oh man, I wish I had it right here in front of me. But he basically said uh like get off the property bro like he was just telling yeah. like you know making the jokes getting melo to move on so i enjoy even as melo is leaving out the door that there's still like there's there's the the friendly banter there's it's it's all good natured and i'll i'll be curious to see what he does in la as la hopefully crashes and burns again in the playing tournament that would be awesome <laughs> let's see uh,
1: yeah and I, I and i love that that melo said that and i know that everyone like liked to hate on him for some reason but like defense like yeah, the defense wasn't there. Like there's well, there's a difference between like there's a difference between being critical and being fair about it, but just like being like yeah. crazy anti mellow. And there was there was some anti mellow out there. Yeah, but, definitely. Uh, as I said when the news broke that he was leaving, like I think it was really, really cool to have an opportunity to see a Hall of Fame player come in and it wasn't like it wasn't like a Pau Gasol signing, right? bring in the bring in the future hall of famer who never plays and then he's who gone just is like some vet before in the, the, the season room, yeah. starts right yeah just a vet in the locker room yeah he it played was a a, it was a legit chance to bring in a guy who the nba had kind of quit on like no teams were giving him chances and he, you gave him a chance and what did he do he proved that he can still play in this league he proved that he yep. belonged that's why the lakers went out and got him because he proved that he can belong And they think that he can help them get to where they need to go. So I I think that was fun. It was awesome to watch a Hall of Famer go to work. And when he was cooking, man, it was enjoyable basketball. Because he still had those nights where he went, he went mellow on us. Like, he was unstoppable. (laughs) And it was fun. They may have been, you know, few and far between. But the thing was, too, if you looked at mellow, like, he was consistent. He was putting up his points off the bench. He was, like, you knew what you were getting every single night with mellow. Like, what more he could want? It's not he wasn't going to be Denver Mello. We quit expecting <laughs> it. Like I thought, it I thought it was a great run. And then with the media, he was phenomenal. He he was he was great with the local media. I did have some fun interactions with him, um, even if I w- was just a fly on the wall of his his life there. But it was <laughs> it was a cool it was cool run. It was cool to see a guy, you know, re, kind of reclaim reclaim his name, so to speak. So I I, I kind of I wish him the best there. With the olds, not with the Lakers. With the olds,
0: I have no doubt that uh, next season when he's down there in LA uh, doing all the post game media scrums, he's going to be thinking back. He's going to be daydreaming about his favorite reporter, Chris Burkhardt, up here in Portland. Oh all hell no! You guys had hell no. Yeah, I think no I think,
1: I think for the first time in his career, he's sitting here and he's going, "Oh, thank God." Before, <laughs> reporters are going to want to talk to Anthony Davis. They're going to want to talk Russ. to Russ. They're going <laughs> to want to talk. They're going to want to talk to LeBron. Um, I'm like fourth or fifth on the list for once, and it feels so good. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, what
0: you think he didn't like the the media stuff? I f- I feel like he really kind of got into his rock star self when he was up here in Portland. Like, he was always very chill. He kind of had that that whole veteran kind of air about him in the post. No, he was Never no, that he was up.
1: he was great with the media. He really yeah. was. He for for as uh, as big of a star as he was, especially coming in not knowing any of the local media, like on a really like first name basis. He he was great. He was great
0: that's good okay well you're talking about when he was coming in obviously now he's going out let's talk about the other guys coming in here we have cody zeller who we mentioned before tony snell and ben macklemore the three big off-season additions that all the blazers fans are looking forward to uh and hey we even heard from uh we even heard from dame that he was uh dame was super excited no i can't <laughs> keep up that line anymore dame was not stoked on this being the additions that we've seen he was kind of playing about it too when he spoke saying you don't always get the guys that you want to get uh and basically that we will move forward with what we got and best of you know he he tried to give it the optimistic two thumbs up thing but you could tell especially after dame said we need to improve the team i don't think his thoughts were turning essentially canter into cody zeller uh I don't even know how where you worked Snell and Macklemore in there as far as the rotation comparisons from last year but yeah these uh these names were not on my radar how about you nope not
1: nope. <laughs> not one of them not one of them was on my radar so yeah interesting interesting moves
0: they're all on uh one-year deals all three of those players so obviously this is not a long-term uh thing they're very much possibly just kind of space fillers until maybe some sort of trade opportunity gets put together. But between Cody Zeller, Tony Snell, and Ben McLemore, who do you feel like is going to have the most impact on games this coming season? Who should fans be looking forward to as far as the production on a regular basis you go in big and front court with Zeller. Like, you know, there's not a lot of, not a lot of pe- other people to take up minutes in the front or you think Tony Snell is going to be kind of spelling Dame a little bit. Like where, where do we put him in a, where, where do we put all of them in your lineup?
1: Oh man, it's really tough, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting yeah. question. I think if I had to pick, if I had to pick one, um, it's probably Tony Snell being, being as big as he is, being able to play the two and the three brings a little bit of versatility there. Um, And, you know, it's easy to look at uh, how good he's been over his career from the three-point arc, obviously. uh, Nearly 40% shooter was incredible. Uh, Last year with Atlanta shot, what, 57%, something like that. Like, it was pretty, pretty... Oh, yeah, it was pretty off-the-wall bonkers. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the the guy's good, but this also... (laughs) I hate to say it, but it, it, it it screams of, of 2019 to me. Like it, it screams Pau Gasol, Anthony Tolliver, Kent Bazemore, who, who I was a fan of in the moment, but I was like, because I thought they were all going to be like fringe end of the bench guys. Right. Uh, and, and I, I liked Kent Bazemore, but then when they were all thrust into positions where they had to play big minutes or start, like it didn't look good. And so if you're going to be, put into a situation where you know things are bad and you got to start tony snell now like uh, i don't i don't think it's it's gonna be great and i mean tony snell like yeah like i said yeah yeah he shot incredible from deep last year but you look it up real quick he 5.3 points 2.4 rebounds it's not earth shattering like uh Cody cody zeller cool like Cody. like here, here's the deal like the, the 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 signing of cody zeller was is so impressive that like i said earlier in the podcast i said what zeller brother was it like I, it, it doesn't <laughs> and, and i don't and i'm not trying to disrespect cody it was just more like the move didn't have that impact that like made me go oh yes no i know who it is i mean yeah. as a backup big like yeah it's a good move don't get me wrong it's it, he's your backup five so it's not like it's an awful move but I think if you're the Blazers, you were looking at, 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 okay, like, let's try to do something that, like, if you're a Blazer fan, excuse me, uh, let's really try to improve this roster, and all you're doing is, 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 is su- like, you're, you're not going and doing anything drastic, you're, you're you're playing with the exact same Legos, it's just different colors. You're like, oh, this four, this, this 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 two by four blue Lego isn't working. I need to try something different. So you you, you throw it away. You send it to L.A. and then you reach down and you grab a two x four red Lego and try to convince <laughs> yourself that it's a completely different Lego. It, it 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 might be different in the fact that it's not the blue one you threw away, but for all intents and purposes, it's the exact same damn Lego. It just has a different coat of paint on it. It's like, Was that
0: all intensive purposes? No, okay, we're not going back to that.
1: Never <laughs> <mind>. <laughs> uh, no, so yeah, so, so like, yeah, okay, You, Zach Collins or, or Ennis Cantor gone, Cody Zeller in. So Cody Zeller, uh, better defensively than yeah. Ennis Cantor. Does there's defensive do anything, improvement. Yeah, doesn't do anything else better than Ennis Cantor. Uh, <laughs> so, cool. Uh, Tony Snell in, Carmelo Anthony out. Like, yeah that's where I'd say I I don't know enough of Tony Snell's game to say if he's great defensively or not so let's just say he's average. So okay, you're you're about there with uh, uh, above Mello because I think Mello's below average defensively in a lot of cases yeah, right I'd now. Yeah, I agree. But you lose a lot offensively because Mello is still an offensive guy. So, yeah, you lost that. And then Ben McLemore, like, another interesting move. But where does he play? Is he going to be a primary backup too? Can you play him at three? Because if you play him, I mean – Tony, he and Tony Snell are going to be battling for minutes unless you're deciding yeah. that you're going to take them from uh, Anthony Simons. So uh, it's an interesting move. And Ben McLemore, here's the thing. Ben McLemore is a classic, 110% classic Neil Olshay signing, is it not? Yes, let me it take, is. Let me take a former a lottery retread. pick. Yeah, a former lottery pick who has not lived up to his lofty expectations and see what I can do with him here in Portland. And here's the thing. I love ben mclemore love ben mclemore in the draft i thought he was gonna be like the next kobe i thought he was going to be great coming out of college i was wrong now he's <laughs> now now he's found his role and he's been good over the last few years let's be completely honest i mean last year with the lakers 21 games eight points per game he was seven uh, and a half in, when he was with houston before the trade 10 points per game the year before that like He's had his moments he's kind of filled his role right but you're just signing role players at this point and yeah. are they true rotational players like here's the thing here's the thing Keith. the move what's the for- thing chris no 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 the, the move that you wanted as a blazer fan was the move that they go out and sign player x and you know exactly why like they go out and they sign the guy like that, boom that's the guy he's the backup three He's getting 20 minutes a night. He's bringing defense. We know exactly yeah, why they yeah. signed him. Boom. But now we're having this conversation. Who gets the minutes at the backup three? Is it Snell? Is it Ben McLemore? Are they going to play the two? We're asking more questions about well, the players that, that were signed, when we wanted answers from the players that were signed. <laughs> and I think that that is the issue. The, are these good players? I think yes, they're they're good players, it, it, and the, the signings are not awful. But they didn't answer any of the questions Blazer fans had. They made us ask questions, and that's frustrating. It's it's
0: not only asking questions and answering, but it's the same questions. I feel how many years recently have we said, okay, you know, we made some moves, but now we have too many bigs and no wings, or you know, now we have guys who can play on the wings, but none of them are a real true talent. Let's see which which is going to get the starting three spot. You end up in the same kind of. Almost kind of bottlenecking at the wing position, and no depth in the front court. And also, like you said, you kind of pointed out, these are the same kind of moves Olshae has been making. It's what he's been doing for years in Portland now. So where is the urgency that we, that Dame has been asking for, that fans have been yelling about? We can say, you know, let's 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 move this forward. We can say there has been at least one positive thing that has happened with this, and that would be Norm Powell resigning. We got Norm oh, yeah. back, uh, but again, having Norm. Resigned for five years, it theoretically being here in Portland for five more years, really does make Snell and Macklemore just seem like, what are we doing? How are these the big moves that are gonna make a difference when you're basically filling bench role players that don't really have a clearly defined role, like you said.
1: Yeah, and it's also it's also interesting to go out there and get Ben Macklemore, get Tony Snell, re-sign Powell, okay, and then you got mm. Cody Zeller so three of your four moves were for guards like hmm. again again <laughs> with the guard yeah. your, your, your two best players are guards and you went out and got guards I still think there has to be a trade somewhere down the line because I yes. think the team the team is gonna be much better suited um trying to move on from CJ and get a, a an elite small forward or power forward in exchange for that and allow them to move Norman Powell to the starting two. I mean, they can keep rolling out this three guard lineup. I mean, Neil said it himself. Dame is not a small guard. Like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah, he's not small relative to five foot eight Chris Burkhart. Yeah. He's huge. But in the NBA, he's, he's, he's like an average to small point guard. Like,
0: especially when you consider how many more uh, situations we're seeing, you know lebron ben simmons and other kind of uh playmakers uh, essentially point guards from non point guard positions so it's the idea that you can have uh the person running your offense being several inches taller than dame it's, it's yeah it's it, even if he's not a short short guard he's certainly not on the tall or even average end of the spectrum when it comes to playmakers at this point in the nba and there's heights and advantage that's all you can really say about it
1: yeah and it's also i think it should be like it should be I I don't know what the word is, but it's just kind of telling into the approach that that is being taken over the years, and um, and it's Neil Olshay. What Neil Olshay needs to do is he needs, to, and I think I said this with you before, is he needs to he needs to be uncomfortable, like he needs yes. to get out of his comfort zone. He does he does what he's comfortable with, and here's the thing: let, let, let's just be clear. There's people who do that, so I'm not trying to completely knock the guy, but. You're only going with what you're comfortable with, and that's part of the reason he he's been reluctant to trade CJ McCallum because that's his guy and CJ's who's he's who he's comfortable with. If I like, how many people in that situation go well? If I lose a good guy with CJ, what if I what if what I get in return isn't as good? And then you second guess it. You you don't go out of your comfort zone, right? You go with Ennis cantor, you lose Ennis Cantor, and then you make off season moves to bring Ennis cantor back you you go with Hassan Whiteside, you lose Hassan Whiteside, and then Hassan Whiteside says in his press conference that Portland was interested in me, so you were trying to go so get you're trying him. to get him back you yeah. were trying to go get him back you were trying to go with what with what you're comfortable with so you gotta you gotta think outside the box here, man, and I don't know where it is on your sheet, but we need to talk about it the report that That there was Pascal Siakam floated for CJ McCollum, and of course there would be other pieces involved, but that Portland wasn't interested? Are you kidding me? How can you (laughs) not be interested when your biggest weakness is not having a Pascal Siakam on your roster? Yes. And then Toronto says, here, we're going to give you the one thing that will feel the biggest hole on your roster without actually creating a hole in your own roster, because the guy you're going to give away, you're going to end up going and re-signing Norman Powell. Who's going to fill that spot. And here's the deal. Were you you, like, yes, this was like pre-draft pre-free agencies, but like, were you scared? Were you scared that if you traded CJ for Pascal Siakam, you weren't going to re-sign Norman Powell? Why? Because if you look at it, I would have been like, Oh, Oh, we actually have a better chance to sign Norman yeah. Powell now because Powell's he gets to play the to town. Yeah. He gets to play the two. <laughs> he gets to play with his former teammate. He's not playing out of position anymore. So to like, if, if there's any truth to this rumor that Portland didn't want to make the move on a deal centered around Pascal Siakam and CJ McCollum, like that's nuts. Absolutely it is, nuts.
0: It's completely nuts. And, and the, like, I obviously we have been beating, uh, the the point home is the beating the dead horse about uh, a cg mccallum trade we've been talking about this for a very long time on Trailcasters, but it is absolutely to the point now where it just seems like the only thing stopping it is what you mentioned neil shay is just too hesitant to make an, an unsafe move too hesitant to do something that is going to cause any possible uh downturn or, or kind of downvote in his in his his popularity or his power we mentioned it before too uh when we were talking about the uh, last episode or the episode before that, when we were talking about the uh, Billups introduction as head coach, how when reporters tried to get to Billups on some of these controversial questions, Olshay or other people from the front office and the uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, people running the interview cut in and didn't let it happen. And what you pointed out, Chris, at that time was that this was not allowing... It, it wasn't allowing Billups to make any sort of mistakes, but it was also preventing him from looking any better. And that just, it does, it seems to be the modus operandi for how uh, Olshay works, is he just doesn't want to do anything that's going to possibly cost, make him look bad, cause him to look bad at all. Uh, and that's not what you do when you're trying to be competitive. You can't just play it safe. There has to be moves made, and it does seem, it still does seem like the biggest impending move that has to happen. For the Blazers to get competitive would be moving C.J. in some way. Pascal Siakam needs to be at the top of the list. Ben Simmons, that young socialite, should be on the list somewhere as well. Apparently, <laughs> he doesn't want to come to Portland as much. But you know, I'm sure if a trade I mean, the, was made, the, we'd very quickly hear that flip around. But.
1: Yeah, I think it's weird. I think, I think the 76ers trade makes more sense for C.J. McCollum. I think he fits way better in that lineup than he does in yeah. the Toronto lineup. He's he a exactly great He's exactly what the Sixers need, would pair incredibly well next to Joel Embiid. And, and I think, like, I I, I kind of want to see CJ get, get traded to a place where he can be the number one. Because I think if he's, like, your number one guard, not your number two guard, like, I think he can be an all-star. Like, I think there's a lot of potential there with him kind of running the show. Um, I mean, yes, in Philly he'd be the number two player next to Embiid, but he'd still be the number one guard. And I think that's right. that's that's big for him. And I think he'd be really, really, really damn good. Um and the thing is, like, I don't want to see like CJ go. Like I love I love CJ McCollum's game. I I love watching him play. But if that's the piece that has to go to get you better, then then you have yes. to then you have to be willing to to part with that and that's i think what neil needs to do and neil's gonna say oh no we explored these options and blah blah, blah. and I'm, I'm sure he did but uh, at the end of the day you're all you're doing is is filling needless pieces with more needless pieces it's it's ben mclemore tony snell mario hazonia anthony Tolliver, kent baysmore uh, Evan Turner's these guys weren't winning you championships and Evan Turner like yeah he was paid a ton but like of all those Evan Turner was probably the best signing because at least he made an impact on the floor when he was in there yeah. right like and honestly like if he wasn't retired like would still be a great a great guy to have on, on the cheap to come play defense and run the second unit um,
0: on the cheap he'd have to basically
1: come free after how much he paid him before yeah right but <laughs> but but yeah I mean it's easy it's easy to to sit back and, and question what Olshake coulda woulda shoulda done, right? Um That's but, what I'm here for. But yeah, it's <laughs> it, it is hard. It is hard to watch. Okay, we got we bought our way to a second round pick. Yep. Sign a guy signed a guy who's not gonna do anything. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Greg Brown. Sign, hey! yeah, sign Tony Snell. Cool. Like winning the move, the, the needle has not moved the needle the has, needle has
0: yeah there you go
1: all right you mentioned uh
0: philly being such an ideal landing spot for cj i want to bring up this one trade that i did see proposed let's just kind of fantasize about this for a second let's shout out it. to pdx Brochelite on twitter uh for the hey! finishing idea he posted this it's a three-way deal between portland philly and golden state golden state ends up with ben simmons which it's where Simmons wants to go. He talks about winning a California team. Doesn't want you know. Portland is not a place for young socialites. Uh, Philly gets CJ and Derek Jones Jr. and two future picks. Uh, one is from Portland and one's from Golden State. Philly gets to get rid of Ben. They get CJ. Uh, I think he would have three years left on his contract. as the playmaker like you said? He would fit well next to Embiid. Portland gets from Golden State Draymond Green, like we talked about earlier, also on a three-year contract. Uh, I would have to get over my Draymond hate. So be it. We also would pick up Juan Toscano Anderson and James Wiseman from Golden State. So, again, Golden State gets Ben Simmons. Philly gets CJ, Derek Jones Jr. and Picks. Portland gets Draymond Green, Toscano Anderson, James Wiseman. This seems like a deal. And from the people that I've seen reply to it, it seems like a lot of... It seems to fit for all three teams. The one big sticking point has been whether or not Golden State would want to give up on James Wiseman, young uh, up-and-coming big man. Fair enough, but you know, if, if, if they weren't going to give Wiseman, then suddenly a lot of the rest of the deal becomes unbalanced. I feel like this kind of move or something very close to that could get done. So once again, we have something that seems like it should be, if Olshay is willing to make a move, something that seems like it should be a fitting move for Portland, fitting for Philly, fitting for Golden State. What do you think, Chris? Does, does, would this, how much would this help Blazers? Uh, how likely is something like that deal to actually happen?
1: Uh, Please say like- 100% on both. Likelihood of that to happen? 100% Keith. It's 100%, 100%, yeah. 100% going to happen. I'm, Fortune tell I'm firmly confident that it's probably <laughs> in the works right now. And before you get this podcast edited and trimmed down, <laughs> we're going to have to re-record because the trade it's already happened. pulled off it's
0: already happened we just don't know it yet yep. yep
1: it's already happened uh confidence it's gonna happen zero confidence that it's, <laughs> it's, it's gonna happen uh it's such a good but- move though it helps all
0: three teams it would it would make sense what's holding this up do you think besides if if golden state's stuck on wiseman and obviously all shea here is stuck on never moving cj for anything short of lebron uh
1: i think i think wiseman would be the hold up i know that like you're going to say more, but I think that's the holdup. I don't think you're going to, I don't think you're going to give up on a big man that quick, especially guys who's shown some promise. Um, I think that's a holdup. I think like I said already, CJ to Philly is a perfect fit. Absolutely. Perfect fit. Ben Simmons to Golden State also a perfect fit because I think he plays a very similar game uh, to Draymond. He's kind of built in that in that Draymond shell. And so I think you'd be able to get a true plug and play guy in in Ben Simmons and you'd get a guy who, you know, first team all defender going to be extremely helpful. Doesn't shoot three very well, but yeah, either did Draymond Green. So that's not what you need him to do. Um, so yeah, it'd be a, a, a great fit. Get them a little bit younger. And then Draymond Green, absolutely. We talked about it earlier. He'd be a perfect, perfect player to have in Portland. A guy get up there, again, get those rebounds, push the tempo, be able to get the ball out of Damian Lillard's hands a little bit. You'd be able to move Norman Powell uh, back out to the two. And you'd be able to roll out a starting lineup of, of Damian Lillard, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, Draymond Green, and you of Nurkic and that's a that's a great starting lineup much better defensively than they've had in years because you're I mean you're getting rid of, of CJ and what the Derek Jones juniors Gary Trent juniors and the 20 other people who've started a small forward over the years <laughs> um, so yeah you, you're just you're, you're 100% better there you don't lose a ton offensively like yeah he's not going out and scoring 20 but you don't need him to go out and score 20 you need him to do all those other little things um, Right. And I also think you'd probably end up making Nurk happy because in that situation, Nurk is your third scorer. In the current three-guard lineup, Nurk is your fourth scorer. And Nurk wants to be a bigger ah. part, of the, part of the lineup. So I think that would be helpful. Um, and then if, if if Golden State were going to throw Wiseman in there, then then it goes from a no-brainer deal to, yeah, uh, what? Are you kidding? What? Like, <laughs> you're going to throw him in too? Cool. Now the guy that I signed to be my primary backup center is now my third string center, Cody Zeller. Sorry. So, yeah, I think I, oh, <laughs> and and then you forgot that uh, Juan Toscano Anderson had been great for Golden State last year. It's, it's, he's a great rotational guy who's going to kind of do those little things and, and hustle and have fun, but you don't need to play him a ton if you don't need to, but he's a good guy to have. So yeah, it'd be a no-brainer trade, absolutely. I think every team in that deal would would benefit from it, except Golden State maybe, and that's if they got rid of Wiseman. I think getting rid of, getting rid of Wiseman and Draymond for a younger Draymond is just kind of... <laughs> weird to me. Weird okay. to me. I, I don't think they would, but yeah, I would love having Draymond Green on the team. Are you kidding?
0: So so yeah. So Wiseman really is the
1: sticking point.
0: I I totally agree as far as the deal actually happening. I just don't know what Golden State does to kind of balance out uh, the numbers and kind of the the, the value otherwise. But you know, it, it's it's I think it's a good theory. It's something at the very least, GMs doing their job should be trying to iron out those bumps and trying to figure out what works for. It. But GMs doing their job is not something we are necessarily blessed with here in Portland. Uh, well, <laughs> real quick, back to a uh, summer league, just cause we got another game on tonight. Uh, and then I only have a few more questions for you before we get out of here. But Michael Beasley, Kenneth Freed and Emmanuel Mudiay have all been NBA veterans. Uh, yeah, you can call them veterans at this point, all playing for the Portland, uh, Blazers, Portland trail, <laughs> all playing for the blazers this summer league. Will any of these three Beasley, Freed or mudiay make the real roster for the regular season? No,
1: not one of them? You don't think uh, any of them have I, impact? I don't think so. I mean, let's rephrase it while I think about it for a second. Do sure. you think any one of them is going to make the roster?
0: <laughs> I mean, when we look at...
1: When, when Again, when we look at the
0: depth like that we've got here with Snell and with uh, Macklemore and Zeller, I wouldn't mind having Beasley or Farid. I'm not, not as sure about Moutier, right? He's a bit more of a, a guard. And again, we've just got the guys to play that position. But... At the very least, like experienced players that can play big are something Portland could kind of use. I wouldn't mind it. And also, like the other a- aspect of this, besides the three players we mentioned leaving portland uh, Cantor, Zach Collins, and um, Mello—we lost all those kind of small fringe players as well. We lost, uh, oh, not all of them. We've still got uh, Giles, but we let go of. TJ Leaf, uh, Keljan Blevins, I can't remember who it is. The so point being, we've got roster spots available. I, I think Beasley, you could do worse, maybe, at least from what we've seen in Summer League. And, again, what do you take from Summer League, really? Uh, Kenneth freed if we need more rebounds after losing Cantor and Zeller's not doing the job, Fareed is definitely a, someone who goes after the glass. So, I don't know. I, I think it's got potential. I'm not entirely sure it's necessary. One of the guys we haven't really talked about as well who's not playing Summer League is Nasir Little. I would love to see him get a lot of mitts. and so if bringing Beasley or Freed in here means less uh, Nas, I'm not sure if I want that to happen either.
1: Yeah, and I think not not going to summer league means that in summer league practices they already saw what they needed to see out of Nasir little, which again goes back to what you and I have already said here, because I think in the current with the current roster, it it, it screams to me. Uh, I mean, because he hasn't been around enough to have anybody in his doghouse yet and i'm talking about coach billups i think i think <laughs> uh, i think derek jones junior kind of got in terry's doghouse and that's why he didn't didn't play as much but with the current roster you're looking at derek jones junior being being your backup four probably right i mean coming Oof. in and, and and playing behind covington he, and oh my and God, so that's crazy or maybe nasir little but if yeah. not you still look at your at your three and is it going to be Is he gonna be Ben Mclemore or Tony Snell or Nasir Little now? So it's weird to me when we talk about these moves because these moves have caused more log jams than than helped anything. Yeah, more log jams, not helping. Um, (laughs) Completely agree. Yeah, and maybe Nasir is your is your backup for, and uh, uh, then what do you do with your ten million dollar Derek Jones Jr. Oh, that's right. You, you go back to that deal we just talked about, and you get Draymond. And Draymond would also, <laughs> if you think about development, I think Draymond would be great to help develop Nasir Little into that guy who oh, yeah. pushes the tempo and does those Draymond things. Um, but, yeah, the, that says that says great things about Nasir Little. But I just don't see any of those other guys getting, into the, getting onto the roster. Uh, uh, Kenneth Reed, uh, I just don't think so. I think uh, like Michael Beasley, you could – you could maybe maybe make a case to have a guy who could go out there and play the four, but, yeah, it's I, I just I just don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, how how often have they grabbed vets on that summer league team and then those vets ended up being on the Blazers roster come regular season? I mean, no, yeah. it was the ones that were already on the team, the Jake Laymans, the Pat Connaughtons, right, the Zach Collins. I mean, yeah, they brought in Keith Bogans and R.J. Hunter. Yeah. And the, Blazers just, legends. Yeah. yeah, you know, so – yeah, I I don't I don't see uh, any of those guys making making the roster. I think maybe fringe, maybe Moutier makes a roster. Just a team looking for for a backup guard. Probably the first of those three to latch on. Then maybe Beasley, but I I don't know about Kenneth Reed anymore. He's he's the manimal. He's gonna go in there and get get some boards, but he's just I don't know. I just yeah, got, I and don't know.
0: it's. It sucks because Freed's not even looking that good so far in the summer league (laughs) either. He's just not really showing. You know, I hear you on Moutier, but again, he's just, I feel like he's the one the Blazers could use the least. On paper, I feel like Beasley at least could possibly fill a gap on the Blazers roster, but again, the idea that Michael Beasley at this point in his career is someone that the Blazers could use on their roster is just not a good thing to it doesn't feel right saying that out loud it doesn't you know, feel like, you know, it's just like it's just coming up in the esophagus a little bit let's uh move on from players though i do have one other question regarding the coaching staff you mentioned billups uh and how he hasn't really had uh time in here to even you know hit the ground running yet someone else that was mentioned in the head coaching search was mike d'antoni and we've now heard d'antoni has joined the pelicans as an assistant what I'm confused by, if he was in the running for Portland as a head coach, and then he didn't get the job, why couldn't? Do you think they went after him as an assistant coach, or did they just kind of, you know, kind of uh, like show him the door at that point? I gotta assume if he was willing to be a head coach here, he has faith in Damian, is faith in the team, you know, maybe making some progress and something, something that he could have helped with. So why wouldn't he want to be an assistant?
1: It, it, is, it, is this a real question? <laughs>
0: I mean, how? I guess is it damning? Is it even more damning of put yourself Portland's put kind your of process? Put yourself, here, so he's going to Pelicans instead?
1: No, no. Put yourself in in his shoes. You're out. You're going to apply for a job. You found you found the perfect job to be a, a a director of a film, and you go and you apply for it, and you don't get it. But then that film goes, hey, you can be our production assistant. Oh, yeah, cool, because I still really want to be involved with the project. It's not the same. You weren't there for the, the lesser job. You were there to be the head guy. Now, taking a lesser job somewhere else where you went in to be that lesser guy makes sense. But I there's no situation that I see a guy, oh, I wasn't hired as your head coach, but I'll go ahead and be an assistant under the guy that you chose over me. So like, you think uh, this is less
0: about Portland not wanting him as an assistant? It's more about him just saying, like, essentially, dude, saying they, they, that his I ego wouldn't allow him to be an assistant.
1: There's no ego in that. That's just smart. That's just smart ballgaming, dude. Why would you do I that? Mean, no, well, no, I, I no, mean, there, no, there's, no, there's no! Like no the I'm overpowering <laughs> you, Keith. No, no, don't. No, okay, I get it. You're, I get it, Keith. You're a good guy. You, you always want to, you always want to give guy the good shake here and like take one for the team. And this is this situation. No. Absolutely not. I would be... If you did not hire me to be the guy, I would be insulted if you called me to help the guy. That's not what I'm... I'm, No, no, I'm just saying there's
0: i i'm just saying there's in both uh, outside of sports if you're, you're in you're theater wild. and you don't get the lead role you take a smaller role that's what you do in sports if you're on a team and you think you're the star and suddenly they get a bigger star you should be able to try and be the second gun it's more helpful you make a probably better
1: career decision to make yourself look better in the long run yeah if you okay. accept
0: the next role no, just, i'm just confused is, no. why it's different with the front office
1: okay okay theater may be a little bit different because guess what you're, you're still in you're still in the movie. You're still a, a, a prominent player in the story. You're everything. When you're a 70-year-old Mike D'Antoni, you're not taking that step back on a team that did not take you to begin with. You were, okay, like, like I said, you, like, I, I get what you're trying to say, but no, no, because, <laughs> no, here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you're going to equate it to, to being the lead in, in a movie, like Mike D'Antoni he has been the lead before, right? He's had that lead role. And if you don't take that position at all, you say, oh, okay, you're not going to be the lead, but we're going to let you be, be, you know, this other character in the movie. Sure, because it's Hollywood. You have to take those jobs because the minute you stop acting at all, you're no longer in the acting business. They've already moved on to the next guy. This is basketball where these 70 year old coaches, they keep getting going. They can take breaks. They keep getting, they keep going. And if you're Mike D'Antoni, again, why, 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 why would you go to Portland and then say, no, you can't be our head coach, but we can hire you to work for the guy that, that we hired instead of you. And you look at your movie role that you brought up too. If you weren't hired to be the lead, But you were hired for a different role. That the guy that they hired to be the lead isn't your boss; he's your coworker. You're working alongside him. Yeah, are you going to? Yes, are you you going to want to work under the guy that they said you weren't good enough to be? I don't think there's anybody who wants to do that. When you go to New Orleans and you sign on as an assistant, you never went in there to be the head coach in New Orleans in the first place. So you're not. You're working under someone now. Yes, just like you would have been in Portland, but the guy you're working under isn't someone that the other organization said is is better suited for you than you are. I don't think there's anybody in any position, regardless of profession, who would want to go in, apply for a job, miss out at that job, and then work for that company the very next week under the guy that they hired instead of them. I mean, I, I don't I think so. No
0: one wants that, but again, it's like I just—I feel like this comes down to a swallowing pride thing. He's dude, if it's me or you, no.
1: No, if it's me or you who are in our 30s and are still young in this game and you need every opportunity you can get, then maybe. When you're 70 year old, Mike D'Antoni, it doesn't freaking matter. But, but the fact dude, that he's 70, he's even—he's already past his peak. He's already been a head coach. No, he's been an no. assistant. He was an assistant in Brooklyn. He's, now he's earned taking, this. He's earned the ability to. to no, how? How if is it crazy? Going
0: if he's willing to be an assistant before this and after this, it's just it's weird to me that he wouldn't have at least been like, oh yeah, I could consider being an assistant in Portland where I wanted to be anyway. With like, I because in neither situation,
1: situation was he working with an organization that said he wasn't good enough to be the guy. It's the rejection and then it's had the pride. to. And that that that's not pride. That's <laughs> logic, dude. That's logic.
0: My if, dog's if, if, in if, here. Trying to
1: object. If you, I, I'll say it again if you were not hired for position A and then someone said, we'll let you be position B, but you have to work under position A and work for the person that we thought was way better than you for the job that you wanted there. If you aren't, if you you can say you can swallow your pride and do that, then you're a bigger person than 99% of the people out there because that's asinine to even (laughs) think. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm not saying nope, I'd be able no, to easy. I'm no. saying pride's a hell of a drug. No, know your know your worth <laughs> set your worth. And if that team does, says that that's not your worth. Then, then, then move on. Find somewhere else to go where you feel you're going to get your worth. And you could say, well, how come he didn't go get another head coaching? job? They're all full. There are no head coaching jobs. So now you got to be an assistant. Now, if every other team had all their assistant positions filled and then Portland comes calling, then you're like, I really want to be in this coaching game still. If I, if I don't answer the phone or the Blazers, I'm not going to coach at all this season. Okay. Maybe now I'll swallow my pride. But other than that, I'm going to try to latch on somewhere else where it's a fresh start regardless and I'm not worried about what I had what I did during the interview process or how I could be better than Bill Ups is doing every single day that we're sitting in a meeting. <laughs> or like, I'm gonna go in, like, like go in there and train the guy that we hired above you. Like it's just no, I don't I don't think that's fair to ask of anybody in any profession. Cause like I said, you have to know your worth. And you shouldn't, whether you're a head coach, an assistant coach, or uh, entry-level job at whatever. Know your worth and don't let people walk on you, man. And I, I wouldn't want to be walked on like that. Absolutely not. So no, I, I no, I would not take the assistant coaching job with Portland after being denied the head coaching job. I would say, thank you for asking, but I'm going to respectfully decline and I'm going to go to New Orleans or anywhere else. And I'm going to say, yep, that's that's what I want to do. I'm going to work here where I am getting a fresh start with this, these guys and I don't have to worry about what might have been. It's just peace of mind, man. You're crazy. You're crazy if you think <laughs> he or you or anyone else would just be like, yeah, yeah, that's I'm how not, bad. I, I never said
0: it was just a, like, I, I'm not saying it would be like an easy decision. I'm just saying pride Pride is a, a hell of a drug. It's a, it makes it think, a harder fall. I, I don't at think least you, you got to agree that if we had as much as it is, if we had oh, uh, uh, Scotty Brooks and Dantoni on, uh, on the bench for for like you know, backing Billups up, kind of showing him the ropes. That could have been at least given a little more faith in like, okay, they've got a good coaching staff in there. But yeah, I I get what you're saying. I get your, what why you're saying why he wouldn't want to accept it in Portland. It just, but if it, Scotty it, Brooks
1: it is, was if Scotty if Scotty Brooks was in the final three running for the head coaching job, he wouldn't be on Coach Billups' staff. I'll tell you that much. You're probably right. Still I'm a hundred percent That's okay. Right? I'm a hundred percent right. It's not debatable.
0: i mean i i think we could debate it
1: i mean we just did we
0: just we just did maybe, yeah maybe we just turn the whole next episode into a, a debate on potential theoretical uh, assistant coaches you don't think this could warrant you don't want to i i mean i feel like this is a topic you enjoy i feel like we can make a whole nother show out of this
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean i could i could talk about anything <laughs>
0: well chris we have talked for a solid uh hour again thank you sir as always it's uh I appreciate you joining me. I appreciate your—I don't know whether you're your co-host or host now. You've done the intro. We're leaving that one in there, so <laughs> you kind of are really—you're—you're—you're you're, you're taking over. So I'm here to do, baby. But as usual, if you want to reach out to Trailcast, you can find us at Trailcast. If you want to reach out to me, it's at Rip City Keith and chris burkhardt's got a he's got a twitter handle out there somewhere it's chris yeah. Burkhart. you can find
1: chris it. it's chris at, at chris j burkhardt hit it
0: hit me up hey, hey oh we've got you've got it set up now it's now officially chris j Burkhart.
1: yeah i had to lose my blue check mark in the process but you know <laughs> you do you do what you gotta do baby
0: reshaping your identity oh to. Yep. <laughs> well cool man yeah uh please fresh, go fresh
1: fresh start I'm reclaiming what is mine. I'm finding my worth and not letting others ah. walk on top of me, just <laughs> like Mike D'Antoni is doing. See, it's not as far-fetched as you think.
0: I I, I, I like that. The, the Twitter handle uh, relating to the the, the the pride of an assistant coach. No, okay. We will leave it there. Maybe we bring that one back next week. Let us know if you want to hear more about the coaching at Trilcast. send all of your hate mail to at Chris J. Uh, or all Do your it. hate tweets. I guess not email since it's a, since it's a Twitter handle on email. But in closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you to Chris Burkhart. Thank you to O'Dar for these fat beats. And thank you listeners for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your RIPs, basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again. And please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters, hosted by Chris Burkhart and co-host Keith Feltman-Smith.
1: I see what you did there.
0: boy I, I didn't know I was gonna get you all fired up on that final topic I would have put that in there earlier
1: you're because <laughs>